0: every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today I have on guest Jessica Lackey. Jessica is a strategy and operations advisor who is on a mission to radically disrupt mainstream business culture in an effort to create sustainable businesses with a human-centric approach. With a background in corporate leadership, McKinsey and Company Consulting, and a Harvard business degree, Jessica knows a thing or two about hustle culture and what it feels like to judge success by the bottom line at all costs. Now she combines her deep experience in consulting, Fortune 500 operations leadership, and coaching to help businesses grow without sacrificing the well-being of their clients, team, and community. Today we're taking a minor setback of talking about teams, and we're just talking about scaling and growing in general. We're talking about how to scale with integrity, what that means, and and how to make the right decisions for your business. Because these are the decisions that you need to make so that way when you go to hire your team, things are set up for success and you're getting the right people on board. So let's jump into the conversation to hear all about how to scale with integrity, how to really make sure that you're setting your pricing with integrity and everything so that way you can make the decisions for what's next for your business, whether that's scaling or growing. And of course, in this episode, we'll teach you the difference. So let's jump into the episode. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast.
1: I'm super excited to be here.
0: Yes. All right. Before we jump into today's conversation, which I know is going to be a great one, can you take a minute and introduce yourself and your business?
1: Yeah. My name is Jessica Lackey. I run Jessica Lackey Consulting. We are a business and operations strategy uh, advisory firm that helps businesses cross through those thresholds from starting to growing to scaling um, through making them financially and energetically sustainable. Them.
0: And that's that's really what we all want. I think we all really want to grow and we want to scale and we want to be sustainable when we do it. So oh, I'm so excited for today's conversation. I feel like I have so many things I can ask you, so many things that we're going to dive into. But first, I want to ask a question where sometimes I feel like these words are interchangeable. Other people are like, no, there's clear definitions. What is the difference if you believe there's a difference between growing and scaling?
1: From like a mathematical perspective? Growing is when your revenue and your expenses grow at the same pace. You're not actually gaining leverage or gaining efficiency in your business by doing anything differently. You're just doing more of what got you there. So it's growing a practice by going from one person to two people that would be growing because your expenses go up the same as your revenue. But scaling is when you start to change how you operate in order to gain efficiency, gain leverage and Start to have your revenue outpace your growth, or your uh, your expenses on the bottom line. So you're making more money with the same or less effort.
0: Okay, yeah. So when we hear those definitions, we're probably always like, "Ooh, yes, let's scale." So that way, I can possibly pay myself more because my expenses are going down, or or things like that. We have more we have more money to play with. The more opportunity. When you look at businesses as they're on that path to grow and scale a path that you should be on based on the stage of your business. So do businesses try to scale too quickly? Do businesses get stuck in the growth mode when they should be focusing on scaling? What do you see?
1: I think that the business that grows and the business that scales are two different businesses and business owners have to decide which ones they want to do. So if you want to practice your craft, be the, be the face to your clients, do the work, um you because you love it right like that's we got into this business yes to make money and yes to have time freedom but also to do the work we love to do with our clients at some point you're going to hit a threshold where you can't continue growing you unless you continue to raise your prices and there's a lot of um, integrity issues around that but at some point your business model has to shift in order to change to a group model change to courses have delivery done through your team. That's how scale works. But your job as the CEO actually changes at that point. You are no longer delivering services as a craftsperson with your clients or as an advisor. You are leading a team. And while that has potentially more upside potential in revenue, it has a wildly different like responsibility for you as the owner that not everybody wants. And in the short term is not always actually more profitable. So it's less of a, should you grow or should you scale? It's more deciding what kind of business you want to run that fits you and your lifestyle and your goals and your dreams for your life.
0: Ooh, I love that you said that because yeah, it's something that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast and everything is building the business that you want. You know, you started your business for a reason. And some of us have those aspirations to be that that CEO and get out of the client work. And other people have those aspirations of saying, no, I love the client work that I do. That's the reason I'm doing it. So I can do it on my own terms. I always want to be doing this client work. And I feel like when we know what type of business we want, then we can build the type of business we want versus feeling forced to grow the type of business that somebody else wants.
1: Yeah. I don't love this phrase. I'm going to use it anyways. It's like, you got to choose your hard because I think there's this misconception that scaling means, well, my team's going to run it and I can sit back and sip my ties on the beach or whatever, like the laptop lifestyle looks like your, your hard might be in delivering client work or your hard might be in marketing your business team development, keeping your team fully booked and utilized mentoring, developing your team. And that's not in everyone's skill set. So it's like, yeah, well, maybe I'm not delivering client work. But now I'm managing conflicting vacation calendars and determining how we're going to have coverage for that client work that I'm no longer delivering. And I'm responsible for hiring two very different skill sets. So it's the question is, you got to choose your hard because I don't think business is inherently has to, there's effort that has to go in. And it's the question of where do you want to put it based on the priorities you have for your life. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. It's like, it doesn't necessarily, it becomes different, not necessarily easier as you scale. Exactly. And, and I think the thing is like, if we want to scale, that's where a lot of the the learning, because you're learning to be better or you're learning from the ground up of skills that you maybe don't have. Like you mentioned some of those like HR things, you're you're having to get more advanced in some of the finance things. You're having to get more advanced or even start off like with so many things when it comes to those high level strategic leadership that these larger corporations have that you didn't necessarily have to do or you had to do on much minor scale when you're a smaller business.
1: Yeah, and again, not that may not be why you got into this business. It may be that you wanted to generate enough profit to fund your retirement, to pay your bills, to not have to work in a corporate environment. I left my super intense corporate job with the golden handcuffs where I was gonna make top line way more salary To do this business, I didn't actually get into this business so I could re-replicate. You know, I was tired of managing a team in corporate. I'm not super excited to manage a team outside of corporate right now because I I dreamed in corporate. Uh, I worked at Nike for seven years, and about three years in, all I wanted to do, I was leading a team of ten. All I wanted to go do was go back to be an individual contributor. I wanted to have crazy ideas and be able to implement them with people on in different departments, and I wanted to. Get lost in the numbers. Like, that's what I loved to do. And instead, I was writing. I loved my team. I loved my team and I devoted myself to working with them, but I no longer wanted to do that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so important. Like, I love that you brought that up because here I, I am. I'm the complete opposite. Even when I was in corporate, I said, I will be the CEO of my business or someone else's businesses someday. Like, that's my goal. I will be at the top and have a huge team underneath me that's doing the work and everything. And, and, the reason why i love that you brought that up is like just for those who listening it's once again it's doing what you want not doing what someone else sets, sets out for you if you like more of that kind of individual contributor and be getting hands-on with the work it's build a business around that it doesn't mean you won't necessarily have a team you might work with contractors or freelancers or stuff like that so you might not have employees but you still have that that team that supports you and helps you so you're not isolated alone on an island But you could also, or you could be the person that wants to be that CEO and you want to get out of the client work and you want to grow and scale your business to to these different heights. And the thing about it is, probably one of the secrets, at the end of the day, you might have roughly about the same amount of income. Because yeah, that's that's just a fact of the matter when it comes down to the numbers at the end of the day, when you have a team and you have this larger business. But it's about doing and growing the business. It's going to make you happy that you're in the role that's going to make you happy.
1: Yeah i I have a t te- i have you know I have a, a agency team that works for me on operations. I have a graphic design team. I have um, a fair amount of contractors I work with, but um, for me, when we go back to scaling with integrity, I didn't have enough processes and way of documenting how I think about the work to be in integrity with my clients. If I were to say, okay, well, I'm going to help do the strategy and someone else is going to do the ongoing execution with you. I didn't have robust enough processes in my business to be able to know that my clients were going to be taken care of the way I needed to be taken care of. So I could have said, oh, now you have an account manager, but that's not how my business works. And so in order to maintain good faith with my clients and be, get them the results that they asked for right now, I'm doing the work and I, I love it but I have, I have a team that supports the administration parts of my business you know, I don't run my own taxes. That's everyone needs a bookkeeper. So I'll just say that, but that would, you know, could I make more money by building out an agency? Probably would that for me and how I work with my clients break the integrity, I think of my business and like the transformation my clients get when working with me. I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think you just defined it and everything and what you said, but I really want to be clear about this. This is one of the main things we're talking about scaling with integrity. So you use the word integrity there. And what does that mean to scale with integrity?
1: It means providing services that are at your value for you, your clients, your team, and your community. So when I say your clients, this is they get their services on time. They get the transformation and the value that was promised. They get communicated with well. A lot of times we see, you know, during the handoffs, client communication gets dropped and there's clients are wondering what what happened and their projects are delivered late because we don't have processes in our business. With our team, integrity means, well, if I bring on people, but I can't manage and I can't provide context when I'm handing over tasks and I'm giving things on a 24-hour timeline, expecting people to kind of be on call. That for me doesn't feel like it fits with my values. And so I can't, in good faith, work with people where I'm like, I don't know what you're gonna be doing next week or I'm gonna change the decisions on you all the time and you're just gonna have to like read my mind and figure it out. But I see that happening a lot when the business gets busy and we don't have time to slow down. Our team takes the brunt of it And then our communities. um, Too often, I see when people try to scale that at the beginning, it's it's more expenses than not as much money, and so you start to see really manipulative marketing. Marketing, you start to see price extraction. You start to see prices go up in a way that like there's no extra value. It's just smoke and mirrors, and so all of those things are are about like what is your integrity what are your values and your ethics related to how you relate to yourself like you know not overworking yourself and not underpaying yourself your team your clients and your community
0: ooh i love everything that you said there and i can think of like so many examples of like oh here's a case where people did scale with integrity and here's cases where they didn't like i know um uh, years ago i was working with the business and i loved working with them and it all of a sudden I was handed off to another team member instead of working with the business owners, they are scaling. And it was a completely different experience, completely. And just being like, what is going on? Like I came back, I renewed because of the service levels that I was being offered. And now it's nowhere, nowhere's close. And and I feel like sometimes businesses get in that trap because as business owners, sometimes we, we over-deliver. We realize that there's a lot of scope creep going on. But I feel like sometimes what they say is like, well, I don't want to be the person that has to set those boundaries. So I'm just going to pass it off to my team member and then they're going to set the boundaries. And then it's just like, no, 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 this is what you're paying for. But from a consumer mind, I didn't know if I was overstepping the boundaries. I would ask for something. You would deliver. You wouldn't tell me that we wouldn't do it. You wouldn't tell me that this is something extra. So I'm assuming when I come back that that's what I'm going to get. And it just kind of creates that disconnect. It's like, wait, did things change? Was there scope creep? What was going on here? And as a customer perspective, you're like, I'm not getting what I'm paying for anymore. Or it's a completely different experience when I don't work with the business owner. And I don't know if I can trust this other team member to have my interests, like the top of mind and everything versus, well, you're, you're a client of ours, we're getting money from you. And I love that you also mentioned like kind of communities and stuff like that. Like I remember there was a, a community that I was a part of after buying a course and this community was so active. People were asking questions all the time. The business owner was in there all the time asking questions. And the problem was her business was scaling so or growing so quickly that I think then she was in that thing of how do I make more money to cover all this? And she pretty much stripped the community to the bare bones and then said, if you want the service that you were promised kind of as a lifetime support, oh, now you have to pay a monthly fee for it. And the entire community went up in arms. is like, hold on, the whole reason I bought in when I bought in was because you were promising this. And then her going, well, we did hold this one little line in the terms and conditions that we can make any changes we wanted. But from a customer's perspective, once again, you're like, wait, I bought X and now you're changing it to Y and you expect me to be happy.
1: The, when you start looking at in investigating businesses and I spend more time than I should on Reddit and some of the Trustpilot threads, which look up your favorite business owner that appears to have it all in a big, big team and like look up them on Trustpilot and see how they're treating their team, um, or Glassdoor, both of those, uh, because there are some businesses that look like, you know, they're teaching us all to be millionaires. And then you go look on Glassdoor and you're like, oh, Their team is a disaster, yet they're telling you the product of how to build and scale a business like theirs where you can look and it's like, we're just replicating the bad practices of extraction that we're taught that we don't want in capitalism just done and perpetuated by these women business owners. And I'm like, this is not scaling with integrity. This is taking the master's tools and continuing to build the master's house just with a different person doing it.
0: Or, and sometimes it's that whole marketing thing because they don't have a million dollar business. They're just telling you that they do. And then you're just like, wait, wait, what?
1: Yeah. Someone uh, said so there's a line of uh, seven fig business mentor. And what I've seen some people say is like, well, that means I made seven figures or I work with businesses who make seven figures or over my lifetime, I've made seven figures. And I'm like, none of those mean the same thing. So maybe we just don't use the word seven fig business mentor on our, as a, as a, a marker of authority anymore, maybe yep. just as a yeah. thought.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, I, this is kind of like a tangent. We're going off subject a little bit. I always love the emails that I get where it's like, I can get you leads and like all these things by getting in front of your target audience. And I'm just like, when they say who their target audience is, I like, I'm not your target audience. So is this how you're going to potentially get me leads by sending out these spam emails? Because if it is, this is, I don't want a part of this. If it's not, why is your method that you're promising that you're going to use for me, not something that you're, you're using to use result, get results yourself?
1: So, yeah, I mean, if this is like the, going back to that scaling with integrity question. I think when you scale accidentally, is when you get run into these problems. Scaling accidentally is when you hit your one-on-one ceiling or you hit your advisory, you know, your retainer-based ceiling. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to do a group now or I'm going to decrease the level of service. I'm going to bring in a team member. I'm going to bring in someone to support client delivery. And you do it sort of out of fear and scarcity of, oh my God, how am I going to keep growing my business? I just need to get someone to help. But you don't step back and have that stabilization period of saying, okay, how does this need to operate now? How do I maintain quality? How do I put in processes? This is because most likely that's not your zone of genius, which is to document things and to really step back and say, how should this work and go into it intentionally, knowing your cash, knowing your marketing strategy and what needs to change, um, setting expectations with your clients and your community, that all takes much more time than people realize and maybe have the appetite for. And everyone's like, "Well, oh, I just need to like get someone in so I can keep growing. But we don't ever ask the question of like, do you need to? Again, that's a change in business model. How do we go in with intention versus going in out of a knee-jerk response to market conditions?
0: Ooh, I I love that. I love that brought it, bringing that up. Like it is... It is like one of those things that I can see where some of that confusion comes in. Because we always talk about one of the signs to hiring, that you need to hire. And one of it is like you're having to say no to your idea client. You are at capacity. And so I feel like if someone's recognizing that in their business, then they could very easily fall into some of these knee-jerk reactions. I need someone so I can say yes to that client. I need someone yesterday so I can say yes to that client. So how do you really avoid that? Is it being more proactive in your business, like recognizing what your capacity is and what you're getting there, like to do that work before you're at capacity or is it doing that work once you're at capacity to really understand how your business should grow and change and everything once you're there?
1: It's doing it on the precipice of capacity, but I think not also, yes, we don't want to say no to our ideal clients. That's conventional wisdom, but should you in the sense of I have a wait list now, you're building up latent demand. So you're actually getting to be a little more choosy with your ideal clients to be like, okay, well, these are people that maybe would have been ideal, but they're wanting to negotiate on price. And I don't do that anymore. So I think negotiating, looking at it before you get to capacity on the precipice of capacity saying, all right, I need to do some serious thinking. My marketing is working. My sales are working. I'm on the precipice. Let me look at my finances. Let me dial them in. Let me get that straight. Let me look at my marketing strategy. Let me look at my business model and say, do I want to change? And if I do, how can I call in support, call in help to put the plans in place before and while you're at capacity? But I think we rush too much to always saying yes and expanding our capacity versus like stabilizing and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to work with me, if like, how do I build up latent demand? How do I build up a wait list? How do I start enrolling? for three months out. And because at that point, you know, you got, you know, you'll have the capacity to take on new people when it's the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that you said that. And it's one of the things that I always say when we do talk about that capacity issue is, is your wait list working for you or is it working against you? So if it's working against you, cause that person's always going someplace else, you lose out on that business entirely. And it would be that, that idea, ideal client for you, then you know, your work wait list is sometimes working against you. But if you are able to build that up to say, all right, we can't take you on today. We're gonna take you on in two months as a start date. And they're like, yep, sign me up, things like that. If you're able to then kind of at times with, I think within the reasonable level. And I would think increase your price because that's the way that you can, because you have that, that wait list and people really want to work with you. Those are all things where that wait list works for you versus against you. So I think that's like one of the things. And, you know, those are some great examples of how it's kind of working. It's working for you, that you're able to, to build that demand. You're able to be pickier about your clients, dial more in and choose the right people versus just say, hey, someone wants to work with me. I'm going to take them on as a client and then maybe be miserable later.
1: I do think that um, there's a there's a book called um, Win Without Pitching. And it's all about um, if someone's able to move from you to someone else quickly, um, have you differentiated yourself enough? So this is an opportunity to say, how do I get sharper on my positioning? How do I get sharper on my messaging? So that there is an unmistakable choice and that choice is me. Um, and I'm not going to make them wait for six months, but, you know, to say hey i'm I'm ro- I'm rolling two months out, three months out for the right people. um how do we use the time to again strengthen our value proposition, strengthen our processes, strengthen our our infrastructure of our business in order to be like, no, no, this is the unmistakable choice and I'm gonna I'm willing to wait,
0: yeah. And I think sometimes like looking at it from a business owner's perspective when I'm going out looking for services, I I, my decision-making process, I'd rather have there be some sort of balance. Like I don't want to go work with the person. It's like, you got to sign on today and we're going to start tomorrow. Otherwise I don't want to work with you at the same time. If it's something I want sooner, I'm not necessarily going to want to wait six months, but you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, we can't start for another two months. I know it's like something like, I know this business is always in demand and that's what it is. When you go to go to uh, inquire about their services, it's going to be at least two months before you start. Okay. Wait, I do my due diligence. I know I want to work with you. I know that. So I know if I'm going to add you into my plans for, let's say 2024, that I need to talk to you at least two months before I'm going to get there. So that way I could be on your calendar. Like one of the graphic designers that I work with who does a lot, like obviously it's been a few years since I've done my logo. I'm not in in a spot to do a logo now, but I know that she books out in advance. You want her to do your logo. It's not going to be, she's going to start working on it tomorrow. So if I want her to do like a, a, Many like new, like branding projects. Hey, Hey, can you create this new thing for me in my brand guidelines? I can't expect it to be done the next day. I can't expect it to be done the next week, but I like her. I like the work she does. So I'm going to wait for her to be ready to take me on as a client. Yeah.
1: And treating our, our, our vendors, our service providers with integrity is the same thing. It's like, you know, you're planning out what you need from your team members, knowing that they're you know that's why rush fees exist when you're like i need it tomorrow and you're you're like on the other side being like well no i can't give it to you tomorrow because i'm i'm booked out and it so i think it, we're talking about all these things that are about slowing down giving yourself time being more intentional with all the decisions you're making in your business knowing that even if you were to say yes to some of those projects and bring on a team member how are you confident that it's not going to be you know a bad experience for your client and those are you know we live in a fast paced world with where you know increasing revenue quarter over quarter is always seen as the the marker of success but really how do we how do we have the the patience to slow down to be really intentional and thoughtful and make things take a little longer than we our nervous system maybe wants them to so that we grow while we're, we're grow in tandem with our, like our capacity to hold the next chapter in our business.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. And I'll just share a real honest example. I think it was about a year ago, maybe a little longer. I was in this process where all of a sudden it was just like sale after sale after sale. And I I was on this high and this person came back to me that when they first came to me and they' I was just like, you know what? I don't know if I want to take them on as a client. I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect between what they want and what I offer. And at that point in time, they decided that they were going to try something else on their own. Came back to me when I am on this, like making sale after sale after sale. And I'm just like, yes, let's keep this momentum going. And I quickly said yes, that I would take on their project. It was the worst project I have ever done in my entire career. I hated it. There was parts of it that almost made me want to quit completely. Like everything, I'm done. I'm stepping out of this industry. I can't do this. And when I sat down and reflected, I was like, I said yes because of the revenue. And not because they were the right client for me. And I feel like when those, those things we say, we scale with integrity, we really were intentional about the clients that we bring on. We're intentional about you no know, understanding that maybe we're not going to have this like huge revenue spike, that things are going to be a little bit slower. You take on the right clients that don't make you want to throw in the towel.
1: Yeah, it's, I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> yep. So w- another topic that I really want to get to that kind of goes around this and we kind of skirted around it a little bit in this conversation pricing. I know one of the things I think you've said before, um, not in this episode, I think yet, is like just because you can charge something doesn't mean you should. So let's talk a little bit about that. So we're thinking about scaling sometimes, and some coaches will go out there and say, just raise your prices. That way you're working with the same amount of people, but you're making more, or you can work with less people and make the same amount. And I know sometimes like I'll see what people are charging or what they're being told to charge. And I'm just like, i don't I don't know if you're at that level yet. So let's talk a little bit about this this pricing and increasing our prices as a part of that that growth and scale mentality,
1: yeah. I think we raise our prices. one to make sure we're not undercharging. Like there's, I think the let's let's understand how much you need to take home, what your business expenses are. And I don't mean your business expenses covering those like exorbitant like co-training programs that cost six figures, you know, like let's maybe not those. But how do we make sure that we're taking home enough money and making sure our hourly rate covers the time we're spending on projects? So it's like base. Like, so when we're talking about raising prices, it's raising to base. But then beyond that, I think we have to be really considerate of the value and our target market. Um, if you're charging $10,000 for a website rewrite, but your target audience is people making 40, $50,000 in top line revenue. That's like their entire operating expense for a website. Um, a lot of people can charge it. I find that's out of my personal integrity. So I think we have to be, what is our investment in relation to their revenue? What's our investment in relation to kind of our target client's cost of alternatives? And what's the price that we not just feel good about from like us be able to say, but look at our client's expected PL and say, does this target fit for the people I want to work with? Um you know, five, five hours of time for a corporate workshop is very different than five hours of time for a soloist who's, you know, again, like that 50K revenue mark. And I think we have to be really thoughtful about not out pricing our target market um, in a way that's going to be extractive to them versus sufficient for the collective
0: yes yes i love the way you put that you know one of the things that, you know, if for anyone listening if you're new in business one of the things i always say is chances are your pricing is wrong you're probably undercharging you need to really look at that but you know there comes a point of like how high is too high uh one of the things that i always when i'm talking to people about pricing just kind of like in my random conversations with some of my business friends and everything is I feel like sometimes as businesses, especially small businesses, when we're first starting out, we look at our budgets and what we can afford inside of our business instead of sometimes what our clients can afford. And I remember talking to a business who was going after corporate clients, and I was like, "Your," I was like, "You got to stop looking at this and what you can afford. Your budget is nowhere as close to their budget for these services. So you need to charge based on what their budgets are." not what you can afford as a business in your first year of doing business, because they're going to look at your pricing at that and be like, you're only charging that, like you must not be very good. You know, because sometimes it's that mentality. If you charge too low, your service isn't very good, but you charge too high, especially if you're, depending on your target audience, you can price yourself out of that target audience.
1: I do think it's important that at the beginning, you're getting paid, not just in money, but also in time and attention and trust, um, because you're building up your, you truly are building up your business reps. So don't come out of the gates with like a, a number that is maybe representative of someone who's got more years of experience in the business. So like be thoughtful about the fact that like, as you're starting out, people are paying you not just in money, but in other forms of their resources. As you grow, they're not, you know, you're not having to be compensated with as much time and attention. You've got the social proof and you've got the reps to back it up, which is when your rates start to increase they just, can't necessarily increase to the point where you're if you're getting a whole lot of no's on sales calls you know outside of you know market recessions and things like that but if you're getting a lot of no's the question is are you targeting the right market with these prices now
0: I like that yeah yeah and I think that is that's a good thing and it's like one of those things is like do you want to change your pricing or do you want to change your target audience it's you have to make those decisions and um you know, for myself, like working in recruiting, I charge on a completely different model than if you go to most recruiting firms. And people would be like, well, you could charge more. You could charge so much more. You could be making so much more per project. I was like, but my target audience can't afford that. Like my packages are built for my clients. And it is one of those things, like when it comes to sales calls, especially if someone's a referral or stuff, I'll take any of the calls. I'm like some of the people who are like, I'm going to weed you out before the call to see if you can afford me. Because I want to know what, what people are thinking, what their process is, you know, what's going on, kind of use it as research. Like, should I offer some, like a one-off program or something like that to help people there? And I can pretty much tell before we get to the conversation about pricing based on what they told me about their business, their business size, their goals, things like that if they're going to bulk at the pricing that I put out, because my, my idea client doesn't bulk at the pricing that I put out. But when I sometimes talk to smaller businesses, ones that have less budgets, they'll be like, Ooh, okay. Do you have something that's less, do you have a smaller package that you could offer me? And I can already tell that's there, but I already know when we're having those conversations that they're not my idea clients. So if I change my pricing for them, they're, they're the projects I'm not going to enjoy.
1: And as we think about growth and scale, again, you could take more revenue on, but is that as energetically sustainable for you? Or do you, have you landed in a sweet spot of, I know my capacity, I know my clients, I know my business, I love what I do and I'm happy. And sometimes I, sometimes I just want us all to be satisfied in our businesses versus always, always striving for the next level because sometimes we don't really want the next level. We just think we're sold that we want the next level. Yes. Yes.
0: It reminds me of, I when I was back in corporate, I had this employee that I was always trying to push and be like, what do you want next? What do you want next? And one day she sat me down and she goes, why do you want me off your team? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like you're one of my top performers. If you want to stay here forever, you can stay here forever. She goes, yeah. And I'm happy. Like she was an older worker and she was like, I would like to retire in this position, but you keep trying to push me to something else. Why can't I be happy where I'm happy? And then it's like, that was the light bulb moment for me that was like, Ooh, not everybody wants what's next. Some people are 100% satisfied where they are.
1: I've had many of those conversations. That was the conversation that I had before I left. I had no, I had no, you had to lie to get the next job. You had to lie to get your job because no one wanted to hire someone who didn't have aspirations of growth or whatever the hell that means. Right. So you had to like my last job, I kind of, I was like, yeah, like totally. I want to be a senior leader here. I had no desire to be a senior leader. I wanted to stay at that role because that was the sweet spot for me of like getting to lead, getting to have a vision, getting to have autonomy, getting to be close to the work. That was my ideal. And you know, we see the upper out in corporate and we see the upper out in our entrepreneurship. And it's, I think it's time we, you know, decouple personal growth from like role change or business growth.
0: Yes. Yes. All right. I have one more question that, um, I just want to get your opinion on this. So when we're talking about companies that are growing and they're, they're in that scale phase or whatever it is, and they start to bring on team members that are helping to do the client work and maybe bringing on team members that they're going to do an entire, take out an entire client themselves. And some businesses will charge different based on whether the business owner is the person handling that client or whether it's another team member as we're talking about scaling with integrity and making sure the person's getting the same thing from your organization, do you think that, what do you think of those, those uh, pricing models that, cause you don't work with me, you're going to pay less or you're going to pay a premium to work with me versus just having all projects be the same, no matter who's working on it, because it's an output of your organization.
1: I'm more of a, um, a value-based pricing of what is the value to the organization um if if a someone on your team can deliver it with the same results and the same value as you, charge the the rate. If it's a if it's someone that's more junior on your team that's delivering maybe a smaller project because that's they have less seasoning, um and so it's a little more limited scope than you charge based on the scope of that project. but I um, I don't think you should charge based on who's delivering the work. You just charge on the value of the work and make sure it gets done with quality. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think I'm in the exact same place with my opinion. It's like one of those things, if you've um, seen it or heard it, it's like, you know, uh, let's say a service provider or even someone that's like a a plumber, they come in. Why should you have to pay more for them to do the same thing because it took them five hours to do it because they're more junior in their skill set than the person that comes in and gets it done in 30 minutes? At the end of the day, it's the same work that's getting done. It's the same fix that they're doing. Or if you're paying someone, let's say a graphic designer, why should you pay potentially more because it took more hours for them to get it to get the same work done? Why should that person that's really skilled, you know, be have to have um Less if they're charging out hourly because of the fact that they, they're they able to do things faster and quicker and maybe not have to do as many redos and things like that. So I think it's kind of the same thing is as, as from a client perspective, I'm paying for what I'm getting and I'm trusting your company to do it. I think that whole thing of like, well, you're going to pay X to work with me and you're going to pay Y to work with them. Like To me, I'm saying you can't trust the same output on your team members as, as with you. And then so why am I working with your organization in some ways?
1: Yeah, there's sometimes where truly, like when it comes to setting strategic vision, you don't have your 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 team member do it. You set the the brand vision and the graphic, the graphic, you know, doing the graphic strategy or something like that. And when it comes to ongoing execution, you have your team member lead it and it is priced differently because the work is different. So yeah. I think it's really important to consider what is what is the work product that we're delivering. Price based on the work, not based on who delivers it. Just make sure you're covering your bases on the hours. If it takes someone five times longer than you would do to to do that work, make sure you've got your cost of goods sold, cost of services covered, and um, make sure make sure you don't pull out your budget. That's all I'm saying. It, on the oh, pricing
0: exactly, side. exactly. And and I think that's sometimes one of those things that we sometimes learn the hard way as business owners, but. I just remember um, it was actually when we were getting our house renovated. I think it was there was problems that were going on that weren't our problems. It wasn't that we were being this difficult customer and changing our mind and then having to go, th- go through this. It's like their team, their team of workers was causing problems that then they had to go fix. And they used the phrase to me, we're now just breaking even. We're not making a profit on this. And I literally said to them, I don't care. I pay for this work to get done. This is what you told me it was going to charge. If your team's screwing up, that's not on my. That's not on me. That's on you. And it's one of those things. Is like you. You don't want to bring that to the customers if you're making a mistake in your pricing. Learn and fix the next time. Yeah, you because know, it's, it's not your customer's fault that you decided to undercharge them on that project. So just I would say like definitely keep keep that in mind. Um, but I do love, and I just want to kind of reiterate this before we go wrap up today. Is you made comment about. The, if they're doing a different subset of the work, you're you're charging based on like what they're doing versus what you're doing because you do the strategy, they do the execution. Or you said if it's a smaller project. So I know we have a lot of people listening that are in the interior design space. And one of my clients is actually um, kind of going through this right now. She'll have these huge scale projects where she's the lead if it's just a bathroom or just a basic kitchen changes and stuff like that versus an entire entire house. She'll she'll have a team member that runs those projects because they don't need the same level of attention as uh the bigger scale projects. So yeah, like things like that. And maybe as if it's this project, when you're figuring out what is the base we charge for this type of project, it can be a little less because you're having a different team member do it and they're more junior and you pay them less versus the ones that you're going to be in charge of. But it's that clear distinction of type of projects, I think, versus explain it to the client of I'm worth this, my team member's worth this, and and stuff like that. Like, I want, it, I want it to pay as a customer based on what you're giving me, not based on who's working on it.
1: Exactly. So,
0: All right. Well, this is so great. I love talking about this conversation with scaling. Even though we, we kind of danced around and talked about teams a little bit in this, I think this is so important because as we talked about before we started recording, recording Jessica is like, Typically, we're bringing on teams and we have this teams because we're either in this growth or we're in the scaling phase. So this whole thing about scaling with integrity, making sure you're making the right decisions is so important because if you're not making the right decisions there and then you're bringing on a team, you could end up in the spot where... Your team's not working for you. It's working against you in your business because you don't have everything else figured out. They're not helping you achieve the goals that you actually want because you're, you're scaling when you should be growing or you're growing when you should be scaling and, and everything there. So thank you so much for all this information today, Jessica, how can people get in touch
1: with you? People can get in touch with me on my website, jessicalackey.com backslash welcome. That has a link to my weekly newsletter, a quiz that helps, you know, whether or not you're in a. growing, stabilizing, or scaling phase, and a link to my services.
0: All right. And of course, the link will be in the show notes over at growingyourteam.com. And my final question that I love to ask all my guests, we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them.
1: So the leader I chose was one of my managers at Nike. His name was Dave. Dave. He did something in my performance review that was outstanding. Um, you know, Nike has a year in performance review. My boss wrote the performance review with, it was a very balanced review, but he saved some of the more constructive criticism, things that he'd noticed, but he saved that for the verbal conversation. Cause he said, there are things that need to get written down for your next manager to read and that are gonna stay on your record. And there's things that you just need to know as you're growing. And I want to make sure you hear the right conversation, and you continue growing without putting things in your "quote unquote" permanent record that are going to keep you from getting the next job. And I thought that was really uh, such a nice way—a fair, radical candor type way—to say these are the things you need to do to continue growing as a as a leader. And also, I'm going to do it in a way that um, doesn't leave a doesn't leave a lasting impression on your employment record at the company. I just thought that was really, that what felt like managing with integrity.
0: Ooh, I like that. I remember the very first time I was doing reviews in corporate and a team member was doing exactly like what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't an overachiever. So I gave them a solid, which was the, your, pretty much the meeting expectations. That was the meeting expectations mark. And I was told I can't give them a solid unless I give them room to approve, like give them something to improve on there. And I was just like, but they're meeting expectations. I have no problem with the work that they're doing. Yeah, they're not an overachiever, but not everyone's going to be an overachiever. So why do I have to put on their review something that they need to improve on when they're doing their job exactly like they should be? And it was was one of those arguments that we went around and around and around about because I'm like, stop telling me I need to put something negative on a review for someone that's doing their job. So I like that they did that. It was like, here's what's going to go on your record. Here's our additional conversations that we're going to have. Exactly. So, all right, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy and positively impact your bottom line? Then let's talk and see how growing your team can help you master the art of hiring. Through bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance, you will learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire and the skills needed to succeed. At Growing Your Team, women entrepreneurs and leaders work with us to help them expand their unique businesses by teaching them how to hire like a pro. Let's connect and see how we can help you. Send me an email at jamiegrowingyourteam.com. That's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart with jumpstart being all one word. And let's talk about how you can become a confident leader who hires right every single
1: time.